Welcome everyone back to the table. It's our 10th episode and uh, today I'm joined by my friend Daniel. Hello. Uh, Daniel and I met uh, one another and our wives met another, uh, one another at Friends Church Fullerton. We were just kind of figuring out where to go to church and they were there with a nice little gift bag for us <laughs> and we ended up starting a couple conversations where we hung out and became friends and we've been doing a disciple making community together um, on Wednesday nights mm -hmm. and he always has these really good questions so I just wanted to bring him to the table so that he could ask some of them on a camera so there you go thank you for coming and yeah what's your what's on your mind I appreciate uh, you inviting me 10th episode that's a big deal it's a big deal double digits um, yeah I don't know if I have good questions my wife actually came up with with this question <laughs> I just want to get another but, wife you know yeah. since we are one I also have good questions but the question I'm bringing to the table uh, or discussion is really the idea of those who feel like Christianity is a set of rules mm -hmm. uh, or restrictions. And I think we can take it many ways, but I, I kind of want to talk about two specific ways. One is more of the journey of the Christian, uh, I guess, someone in active faith uh, who is kind of struggling with uh, feeling like they're not doing enough. Um, my wife kind of put it like, what, what is the line between being obedient and then being legalistic hmm. and feeling like, cause I think, you know, her and, and I've felt it too. When you hear other people doing awesome things, you're encouraged, but there's a little right. piece of you sometimes that's like, but I'm not doing that. Am I doing enough? Right. Yeah. Like what? I'm not living up to my call as a Christian. Um, because I haven't invited mm -hmm. enough people to church or I haven't brought my neighbor to faith. Mm. Um, so what, what's my place? Where do I belong in this? And how do I, how do, I do that? So that's kind of part one, um, which maybe we can start there. The other part of it that I'd love to talk about is more of the, the outsider, I suppose, the person kind of looking in and observing yeah. the Christian faith, having heard about it, but maybe not living it out. Um, and them seeing it as restrictions to life, yeah, like a like a like a code of rules that yeah. we're supposed to be doing, and that's that's all it is. Exactly. So yeah. why would why would I want to join something that tells me not to do things that I like right. to do? Yeah, doesn't make sense. Yeah. So basically, why would I add another set of restrictions to my life of things I shouldn't do or, or things exactly. like that? Exactly. Okay. So from what I'm hearing, the first kind of question, I, I mean, I think you articulated it well, like the line between obedience and legalism, like what is that? You know, you kind of express there could be this feeling of like, I watch other people living out their faith in ways that for me are encouraging, but it makes me reflect on myself and go like, am I like doing enough? Like, right. cause they're doing this and that and I'm not doing that. So like, should I be doing that? Or is that legalistic to think that way? Um, I love that question. Cause I think that articulates like a place where someone understands that obeying Jesus is a part of our natural Christian walk. Like Jesus said, if you love me, um, you'll obey my commands. I think it was in John uh, chapter 15. He said that. Um, so I think you capture that tension well, but also you don't want to move to a place where it's like, well, I'm just trying to execute this, like this list of things that I know are good things to do in mm -hmm. the name of God mm -hmm. so that I'm, you know, I'm really holding to that tension. Like, man, I hope Jesus knows I love him because I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C. I love that question. And I think, yeah, we should start there. So what is there something that came to your mind or an event that, that you can think of? Um, like what prompted that question? I'm kind of curious, yeah. do you think? And, and Kristen or in you or both of you, <laughs> was there yeah. something that happened? 
this this one uh i don't think she would mind me saying it. mm. it's more so prompted in, in Kristen's heart and she feels a struggle mm. uh, between this really pure desire to to serve god and to um, fulfill his call on yeah. our lives and she struggles to know where she fits in with that um kind of feeling like she's maybe not an expert at Mm -hmm. one specific thing like relationship Mm -hmm. building or whatever the case may be you know evangelism versus uh teaching what kind of that that gifting is and so yeah she has some down moments of feeling like she's not doing enough Mm -hmm. um so that's that's really where the heart of it is prompted is yeah. she strugg- struggles to want that and I think it's such a cool thing that she wants that mm. um, she desires that um, but it's you know it's heartbreaking in one sense to also see someone kind of beating themselves up for something that I don't feel she, like she should beat herself up for yeah you know so, and I'm sure many people share that experience so. no I definitely yeah actually I I do relate to that um, we have our like business meetings at this table as well which you kind of walked in on when we right. were. Um, and like hang out with people like Alan and Barb who have like lived like a lot of their lives for Jesus and hearing like mm. the cool stories of what's going on. I'm like, man, I remember when I was in, when I just started out, um, working with them, I was like, man, I better, better get my agenda together. Cause I feel like I'm not doing anything, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't, it, you know, at first it was just like, um, well, that's like so cool. I want to be like that. But yeah. there was also the part of like thinking that if I, I reach that point, then I've arrived at something mm. that I currently haven't arrived at. And, um, so I understand. Yeah, I definitely, I really do feel connected to that question personally. Sure. Um, and I guess we could just kind of start off by just saying like, you know, the way I dealt personally with that tension when I was, you know, sitting at this table with hearing the great and cool things that were happening and being like, well, what are you doing, Nick? Was um, the, well, maybe it wasn't the way I dealt with the way that God started to move in me to deal with that was to look at what I could do. Um, in terms of like my time, like obviously I didn't have all this time like some of them had to go point to like all these different relationships and to see therefore all these cool things. What I did have was a waiting job at a restaurant with people I knew kind of well. Mm-hmm. And um, I, st- I kind of started to like not expect myself to have to be them because I just, I'm not, a f- I haven't been a Christian for 40 years. <laughs> you know, right. I haven't been, you know, I have, I'm just not, that's just not me. I'm, I've been a Christian for maybe a decade and I don't really know much. And, um, something that Jesus said kind of comes to my mind about, uh, our relationship with our, with what we're, we know we're called to do and, and in us actually integrating that. But he talks about, you know, those who have uh, a certain amount of light, um, they should walk in that light. The things that you've received, you want to you want to participate in, in giving those away for free because you receive them freely. But those who think they've received what they even have, he says, will be taken away. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like what that's not that's not a call to perfection. That's a call from from inactivity. Mm. Like you couldn't just receive what you've received in Jesus and like stay the same person. There's like no way. Yeah. Every time I see him in the gospels, meeting somebody, like no one ever walked away with like, man, eh, man, you know, it's like it's cool cool talk you know (laughs) they were changed so i'm kind of wondering um yeah what what are your personal thoughts when it comes to like do you have a do you have a personal background as well with that question of like feeling like i'm not doing enough and and how has god moved you if any way um, from that yeah i've been there in moments absolutely and um and very similar i think it's anytime you see someone 
like doing awesome stuff and you're just like oh i'm sitting at home like working a nine-to-five job and mm. it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. well in my mind it has nothing to do with right. god and the gospel and i can try to bring it in here and there but um, so i've been there i i think i think my thoughts in, in the struggle is like going back to i guess the root of the question is often seeing my spiritual walk as kind of a checklist mm-hmm. of here are your options of things you can do for the kingdom here's the ah. menu of things that i can serve to the world yeah and that has some sort of um value and it, it kind of throws to the side the idea of just that relationship and that's uh, the spirit that we have i think to just listen and be on the side of obedience um, rather than on the the menu checklist side. Yeah, no, that's no. You bring a great point to that because it's not about the transactional. I must get X, Y, and Z done. You know, in, in and out. I always think of like that picture of work when you have like an in in and out box where it's okay. like you have like all these things you have to do. Yeah, and these, yeah. So, but it, that's like not relational at all. Mm-hmm. And you're saying like we're in a relational faith. We have a holy. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And it it kind of brought to my mind. There's this time where Jesus could have done more. Mm. but he chose not to, where he was in Capernaum. I think this is Mark chapter two. He just ministered there all day. He healed. Um, he went into the synagogue on a Sunday uh, or Saturday, not a, not a Sunday. He wasn't a Sunday <laughs> Christian. You know, he was, he was a Sabbath Jew, you know? There so you he went on there uh, on a Saturday. He exercised the demonic spirit. Everyone was totally taken with him. News of him spread everywhere. Then he's like, not even done. He like goes into Simon Peter's house, heals his mom or his mother-in-law. Yeah. And, and then everyone starts getting brought to the house that have, you know, illnesses or afflicted. And he just spends all night just, you know, delivering people from, from demonic activity and also healing people. I mean, the the way they word it is like, it's so all encompassing, like this whole town, like basically changed literally overnight. And he goes early way in the morning and he, uh, he's praying. It says like, while it was still dark, he rose, um, and he went away. He was by himself. And then Simon Peter finds him. He's like, dude, everyone's looking for you. And then, like, kind of Jesus, like, you know, it's almost as if, like, Peter's like, dude, like, mm-hmm. let's see, we want to see more of that, right? Like, here, because you're so, you're popular here, yeah. you have influence here, you have the ability to do things, clearly. So, like, let's throw all this yeah. and, like, let's make this, like, the thing, you know, like, let's, let's right. unveil you, Jesus part two, you know? Go crazy with But it, he yeah. was like, no, I have to go to other cities to preach the gospel. Um, that's why I've been sent, I think, is what he says. So, I, I think, in my mind, that time of prayer was centering for Jesus of like he knew where he was supposed to go yeah. because his father was showing him and he could have done more. He could have done sure. that menu, sure, but he didn't choose to do that. He chose to actually just go to different cities. Maybe he wouldn't have that much influence in because he was directed by his relationship, not by his transactional understanding of like, well, I could get this much pull yeah. and push. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm resonating with that. It's it's really relational. It's not Yeah. It's not like I got I have to do I have to see seven of my neighbors come to faith before next year. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And yeah. then you're fulfilled, right? As a Christian, I've right. done I've done my job. I can uh, tell other people Right. Like, I've made this impact whatever the case is. Right. And it feels good maybe. Um, but but yeah, I think the the other kind of direction I want to take the conversation unless you had uh, more thoughts on that. Um, was more so, well, let me tell, I guess, a a quick story. It basically, um, 
as you mentioned, we're in a, in a group together that Nick leads, and, um, and we've been meeting with some friends and family just to talk to them about, I guess, their experience with um, Christianity and the church, hmm. et cetera. And, um, and so we actually got a question back from one of them that was, was asking this same thing of, explain to me um, why basically you you don't think that Christianity is just a set of uh, like rules or restrictions. Like wow. I, that's kind of how I see it. What a perceptive question. Yeah, yeah, a pretty crazy question. Um, I'll tell you how I responded. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. It, it's oh, worked yeah. in me. It's exciting. Uh, I listened to a podcast from uh, Sean McDowell. If you know who Sean McDowell yeah. is, he's a professor of apologetics uh, at Biola actually right now. And his response to questions like this, I think is interesting. He points back to there being purpose in creation. And I guess his story with this was he was a high school teacher at the time and he was asking his high school students, what would life look like? Like, what is the perfect depiction of what life would look like um, in terms of just like an oasis? And they're like, I'm alone on an island. There's no rules. I can do whatever I want. Hmm. And um, and the more he kind of dug into them, started asking questions to them, they started realizing that maybe that's not a good way to live. Mm-hmm. And um, the example that really hit me hard was this idea of an iPhone and a basketball. Both were created with a very specific purpose. Mm. Right? So a basketball, right, it's round, it has air in it, it kind of has some grippiness to it. And it was designed with a purpose to, to bounce, to be able to shoot into a basketball, yeah. right? To Fairly simple purpose, to play a game with it. An iPhone or just a phone in general has another purpose, right? It, right. Very different technologies, shape, size. Totally. You can call, text, what you know, a million things with those now. But um, if you were to try to reverse or switch those items and use them for the other purpose, you'd have pretty devastating results, right? The phone would just crash to the ground. Yeah. Uh, if you try to text someone on a basketball, not going to work. It's no uh, networks that the basketball right, is on. Right, and so the, the idea I thought was really interesting is that if God designed this world with a purpose, we need to know what that purpose is to mm. fully live and fully utilize hmm. it correctly. We yeah. need to know how that phone is designed and what its purposes are to use it to its fullest potential. So if we're living life in a way like there is no purpose, there are no boundaries or restrictions, yeah. that's probably a much harder life than if we understand right. the purpose and, and the boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, it, I thought it was an interesting... How did that land with them? You know, there wasn't a lot of response other than, oh, that's, you know, like, that's a good answer. Those are, that's an interesting hmm. thought. Yeah. Where did you sense the question was coming from in them? If you, if you had any mm. perception, did you mm. sense it was coming from their story? Yeah. Um, from just their observations of you? Um, you know, I think it comes from their story. Um, mm. Without getting into too much detail, this person, sure. you know, grew up uh, Catholic. And so the Catholic faith is, they have a lot of traditions. I don't even know that much, but I know that they have traditions and they're a little bit more, uh, I guess, ritual based than maybe sure. we, we might be. Um, but he's no longer 
in the faith. He's just kind of uh, yeah. curious, sees Christianity as maybe a good movement for the world, a positive mm. thing. Jesus was a cool character. Mm. And so I think it was more coming from an outside looking in as I'm interested in this. I've been taught some things about it. Mm. But to me, it seems like it restricts me from doing things I want to do. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I see that. I just, I would say that you thinking about where it comes from, I highly determine, because a question can come, can come across like, okay, like why is there suffering in the world? You know, Mm -hmm. I've heard of politics people talk about this. Why is yeah. there suffering? Well, there, people yeah. would usually quickly make the distinction between an emotional answer and a logical answer to that question. But what's the person really looking for? You know, mm. if a person has just lost their father and they're asking this question, they're asking a very different question than uh, a guy who's read Albert Camus and is doing philosophy. Okay, yeah. So it's like, you know, I think you reading into where it's coming from helps you determine how to engage somebody. Sure. You know, some, a person. I think that's, I read this read this fantastic book called I Beg to Differ, and one of the things the author, um, who's I think from Biola, mm. communications professor, I think, he said we don't we're not stance oriented people. Christians aren't stance oriented. Jesus wasn't stance oriented, meaning he didn't just hold a number of different dogmatic opinions on different things. He was person oriented, and so he understood people's particular situation before he answered or, or spoke to their situation. And I'm like, when I read that, I was like, dude, that's like solves so many of my personal evangelistic dilemmas because I just want to, I just want to hit them over the head with this idea, yeah, the stance that I have, and I want them to adopt that rather than connect with them mm. as a person and understand where they're coming from and, and speak to them. There is a famous uh, apologist who used to say, "We don't answer questions; we answer questioners." Mm. And I liked, I always thought, okay, that that kind of captures that ethos. So I, I just want to say out, outset, I think it's really good that you're thinking about. It in terms of like this person has a story, has the personal stock in this question. I may not know exactly what that stock is, but my best guess would be that their own experience in Catholicism is informing a lot of that. Right. And so I think that's a, what you said to them probably did, wasn't what they thought they were going to hear right? Um, with that traditional framework. Um, but I wonder if what kind of a question they might need to be asked to realize that their questions coming from that place and not from, you know, it's like vanilla and chocolate are like two different co- like ice creams, right? Yep. So like, I'm not going to taste vanilla and just like completely be like, oh, chocolate sucks. You know, I don't like vanilla, so I don't like chocolate. Well, right. she's, this person, um, they've experienced a cultural tradition, um, a Catholicism probably, and that's what they know ice cream tastes like. But all ice cream, that, that, it's not all that. You haven't right. tried all 31 flavors, yeah. man. Um, so you didn't like that. But that doesn't mean, you know, so it's like kind of processing through of like, well, what, when you see my life, uh, what, what, what am I doing that communicates that I'm not in that particular tradition to you? Mm. Um, you know, you asked me why I'm living by a certain set of rules. Are, are there a certain set of rules you think I'm trying to conduct myself by? And why do you think those are things I'm, I'm trying to live by? What's informing that? I think engaging with questions is really good. Yeah. Um, good. But engaging with answers is also, I think it kind of just depends on the circumstance. Um, most of the time, though, I feel so much safer now going with a question um, because it usually gets to the heart a lot quicker than the answer will. And then I'll know, I always kind of, this may be a horrible way of thinking about it, but like in terms of delivering truth that's sometimes hard to hear, I kind of sometimes tend to think of it like, 
you know, if you ever watch Star Wars and you watch them like glazing along like the inner trench valley of the Death Star to like deliver that one perfectly timed like thing to the middle for them to like their minds, you know, for the whole thing to blow up. I kind of think of it like, man, like it's so hard staying in there because things are shooting at you or whatever. It's so hard to stick to questions for a while to figure out what it looks like to actually deliver something of worth to them. That's that's going to blow their mind, you know, not them up, hopefully blow their mind, you know? And I, I want to initially engage in answers and a lot of apologetics today, what they train you to do, which I've been the perfect student of, and I've also been a perfect disaster as a result of is give people lots of answers. Hmm. and it hasn't worked for me. Hmm. I just hasn't, I haven't, can't find one time that I just led with that stance-oriented way of living. That I, it's been personal and amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes it's me sitting back being like, where's this person at? Where is it? Where are they coming from? Where's this question coming from? And how can I ask a question that will help them think a little bit yeah. more about this? Because maybe this isn't a one-off. Maybe this is a long dialogue that I continually readdress with them. And so I, I'm just thinking, yeah, I wonder what questions your, your friend or your family member, I wonder what kind of questions would engage them back, right. you know, on those types of things. Um, I found that to be super helpful. And, and just before I say anything else, I will say like, man, I, I've, I think leading from a place of personal identification when it's true, I totally understand, you know, what you mean when you say, Christianity it seems like just a bunch of rules to me. There was a time and place mm-hmm. where that was true for me too. Yeah. You know, and just leading with that cuz that may provoke them to go, "Well, what changed in you?" And inviting you to share your story is very different than you to share your answer. And that's yeah. really cool is you could share your story in that too. Yeah. Um and I think people are willing to once they go, "Wait, you've you know what I mean?" They're willing to invite you in a little more. What what are your thoughts on that? I think that's amazing. You know, I wish that I would have almost gone with that instead at the time you know that's all i could think of yeah <laughs> like, that's great God, though what do i say help help, help, help. <laughs> dude that's and then god's in that he's not yeah, yeah. only in questions he's in answers yeah. obviously but that's a skill i think to to kind of be in that um situation and and think how can i how can i get closer to maybe the heart because i've been the questioner in other yeah. situations maybe not even related to to faith but you ask something, but you kind of mean something else more specific. Right. Because yeah. you have like an experience or a thought in your mind and you want to see what they're going to say. Sure. Um, and it just is a long drawn out process to finally get to what you actually maybe meant or were kind of looking for. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. To be on the other side of that and, and to think already, how can I get closer to the heart of where this question is coming from? think it's something to practice yeah it is and it's hard i fail at this all the time mm-hmm. which is part of the reason why i love doing the table because this is helping me learn how to do that it's so simple it's it takes nothing of me emotionally and sure. sometimes mentally just to delve out and answer but we're not to sit here and really ponder like man that's such a good question like where does that really come from in you you know is that coming from your experience it helps me be reminded that like everybody out there has a whole bunch of questions about everything that's like true you mm. know no one's sitting there if they're completely self-satisfied and have no questions like I don't know if they're human because like we all have <laughs> yeah. these questions, but being a safe enough place to be a person to pitch those to that's hard and it takes time. And I would just say to you that there have been times where I had these encounters that you described and I'll go back and go, you know what? I was thinking the other day about the question you asked me mm. and I actually have a question for you about that. Yeah. And to kind of revive the conversation, I feel like I've never met anyone be like, no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. Um, so it's like never done. It's not like it's your conversation with this person that's finished. It's not, 
unless yeah. you want it to be. You can go mm. back and say, man, I loved it, may, it. Like I literally thought so much about what you said the other day. I actually was talking with some other Christians about that and it made me have a whole bunch of other questions for you. And that's good. You know, you can always readdress that. So we might have to do that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. If you, if you, if you want to do that, that's a good idea. I'll come back and I'll report on episode 20. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you should. Yeah. So it sounds, you know, would you say that just in our brief conversation, would you feel like you've gotten a little bit more clarity about your own questions? Maybe not answers, but would you feel like you have another set of questions to ask those? Yeah, I think so. I think that it's been um, this last part, especially just inspiring, inspiring for me to to ask more questions because there's a pressure to have answers. Yeah. You know? Yes. Um, and good answers. Mm, <laughs> so, totally. So that's another topic I feel like oh, for another man. day. Um, it totally is, dude. But to be able just to say, you know what? I'm just going to ask questions back. I want to learn more about this person. I want to build this relationship further. Yeah. Um, so that I can give better input when the time is right. Uh, yeah. I think is. That's the Jesus way, isn't key, it? Man. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. That's cool. You know? Well, we we're grateful that we got to have you bringing your questions to the table. These have been really thought provoking. I hope they've been thought provoking for those of you who are tuning in. Um, Maybe you have a couple questions that you would also like to bring to the table to further explore. You are totally welcome to come. If you just leave a comment below this YouTube video, wherever you may find it, or if you want to email us at connect at northcountyproject.org. I'll get back to you personally and love to have you here with a nice uh, cup of tea and a conversation. And if you want to continue to receive these videos on purpose, you can subscribe. And uh, if you want other people to be able to see them, you can like them and share them wherever you may, if you think they're very helpful. And uh, yeah, so thanks so much for joining us again. We'll be back soon with um, actually uh, one of the pastors at the church we met. So that's right. All right. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. Adios.